Deep in the farthest recesses of the most distant jungle lies a city. A city populated by the most mysterious, terrifying, and downright grotesque denizens ever seen by mortal eye. Here, in the darkened corners of this cavernous locale sits an ordinary, average brick building with an innocuous, ordinary, average, blinking neon sign which reads, On Air. It is here where each week, Seth Breedlove and Mark Matsky convene to discuss the greatest mysteries the world has ever known. Now, strap on your hiking boots, grab your trusty walking stick, and don't forget your machete as we begin our journey through Monsteropolis. This is Monsteropolis, a show about anomalies, legends, and monsters. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. I'm joined by my pal, Mark Matsky, in studio. In studio. Mark Matsky. Live and direct. From from downtown Wadsworth in the heart of Metropolis. Uh, You know what? We're still a show that is heard on Wadsworth Community Radio. We forget this sometimes. Oh. Uh, yeah, you might not have known that. Yeah, um, well, I, I don't know. I was under the impression that we weren't. Yeah, we're still on there. Never, <laughs> never, went, off. <laughs> never went off. It's just uh, us for a 24-hour cycle. Yeah. yeah, it's actually, they're changing it to Monstropolis Radio. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah no, we, uh, we're we still on, on Wadsworth Community Radio 97.1? 90, oh. 91.7? Oh, boy. 79.0. Oh, my. I feel bad. Hold on. I'm going to look it up. It's Wadsworth. I thought it was 97.1. It's 97.1. You were right. Yeah. FM. Well, that used to be the Twitter handle. That's yeah. the only reason I know that. You can you can check out the show uh, live on the radio on the weekends. Oh, but nice. I, I don't know times or anything. Because um, we're obviously very in tune with what... Yeah, we're on... Just before the farm report. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, they don't have a calendar on here, but I know it's on the weekends. So hmm. if, you, if you're if you interested in hearing the show live on Wadsworth Community Radio, you can tune in to 97.1, which is, I think, just wadsworthcommunityradio.com and listen to it live on there um, every weekend at some undetermined time. I know yeah. it used to be like Sunday night to 8 o'clock. But they also ran it on Saturdays. But yes, they've they've aired every episode. Um, Holy smoke! Kept up to date. So if you're listening, you know what? If you're listening on Wadsworth Community Radio, could you tweet at us or yeah. Facebook at us or send us a letter at monsteropolismail at gmail Because <laughs> I'm still not really certain who listens to the show on the radio. Yeah, if you've ever really heard us on, <laughs> yeah. On 97.1. On 97.1. We're curious to know. Um, especially if you're listening to the show and you're upset about the number of times that I've, uh, A, mocked my landlord, uh, <laughs> B, uh, complained about the uh, clock on the square, mm-hmm. uh, or C, made fun of the fact that no one can drive in this town. Yeah, that's... <laughs> That has come up uh, a few times. There's probably more. I do love Wadsworth. It's a 
great town. Check check out Rise and Grind. Rise and Grind, the new donut shop in town. It's really wonderful. I'm sure our, our listeners who are not in Wandsworth, this is probably the predominant number of them, love this part of the show where I talk about a local donut shop that they'll never visit. It's a good cup of joe. I can vouch for that. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, we got letters. We have letters. We is have there anything else? We letters. I, I'm trying to... Th- so... Really quickly before we get into that, can I just yeah, give yeah. a plug for this movie, The Haunting? Um, I can't remember. The director's name has now slipped my mind. This guy that made West Side Story. What's that guy's name? Oh, my. Yeah, anyway, The Haunting, 1963, I want to say. Uh, just discovered it not oh, too long ago. Okay. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. It's not Robert Wise, is it? Wise is the bad one. Right, like thirteen ghosts and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now this is absolutely gorgeous movie, um, and it is really helping to inform the look and style of the Mark of the Bell Witch. So, and I showed it to Andy the night before we left uh, on our trip, which also apparently he watched Evil Dead because of me telling him to watch. Oh Evil yeah. Dead. And then I was like, uh, not sure I should have told him to watch. It. Adrian was very upset that I instructed him to watch Evil Dead. So he watched. Yeah, yeah, he. Had I forget the exact comment that he made about it, but it was something along the lines of, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, that was what I heard. The other thing that cracks me up about uh, that is that I tried a, a explaining Evil Dead 2 to him, and I realized it's very difficult to describe. It's called Evil Dead 2, but it's essentially a remake of Evil Dead 1, where they don't address the fact that Evil Dead 1 happened at all in any way, and it's almost at times a shot-for-shot remake, except it's a screwball comedy huh. and wildly gory. Okay. Have you seen Evil Dead 2? No, too? no, I yeah, there's like there's like a, there's, there's sight gags where like a woman's head gets stomped on, her eyeball flies out of <laughs> her head and lands in someone's mouth. And like, oh. there's all just like, it's like if, um, yeah, it's like horror mixed with the Three Stooges. It's hmm. really where Sam Raimi started developing that style. Or, like, it reminds me of Peter Jackson, too. Like, yeah. Bad Taste era right. Peter Jackson. Uh, anyway, I told Andy, don't bother with that one. It's good, but it's whatever. He probably isn't going to like it or get get the humor, which mm-hmm. I don't. And I don't like gross right. things either. <laughs> yeah. um, I did tell him you need to watch Army of Darkness. Because that is basically one big homage to... Uh, have you seen Army of Darkness? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's like a love letter to Ray Harryhausen. Right. So, yeah. Uh, any everyone should see Army of Darkness. It's hilarious too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't know how I got to talking about this. Let's well, get into the haunting. Yes, you were the, right. The haunting, directed and produced by Robert Wise. Oh, okay. Okay, Robert Wise. So who's the crappy director that made like Thirteen Ghosts? Uh, I'm saying that someone's gonna get offended. <laughs> Thirteen Ghosts was terrible. I I had been told that that I should watch it and that there were spooky scenes oh, in it. Okay. That's a William Castle. William production. Castle. Okay. Yes. Yes. That, yeah. <laughs> 13 ghosts sucked. Um, <laughs> but, but the haunting, I can't state enough how great it is. It's, um, it, it is well ahead of its time. It was well ahead of its time. Uh, and it also is still remarkably spooky even today when you watch it. So. Russ Tamblin is in that movie, who is also in West Side Story, mm-hmm. who is also in War of oh, the yeah, Gargantuas. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. You just posted a picture of him the other day. Yeah. That's why. See, you posted that picture. I was going to say, I know that guy from somewhere. I couldn't think of mm-hmm. what. That makes sense. 
So wow. it was the haunting. Yeah. Um, the haunting's really great. I mean, I, I actually owned the book, which, um, which I bought because I was really pumped up for the, the, um, Jean de Bont mm-hmm. version of the haunting that came out in like 97 with, uh, which ended up being terrible. Like one of the worst movies ever yeah. made. Um, but I bought, I bought that book at that time. And so I was, I was familiar with the book and, uh, I don't think I realized this was actually an adaptation of that book either until I was on like two, two or three minutes. Into okay. The movie. But it kept me wondering. I actually went to bed. I got into bed that night and talked to Adrian about it for a while. Like I was trying to still piece things together in my oh, head yeah. that it happened. So have you seen it? The Haunting? Yeah. I have not. I can't. You got to watch it. it. Yeah, yeah. It's great. I... It's a uh, psychological horror. Okay. You know, and it's like, uh, it just, it sticks with you after the fact. Mm-hmm. Not like in a bad way. You're, you like genuinely have questions. And nice. Yeah. It's like a mystery inside of a, or it's, cool. it's really, really good and still spooky. Like the, the biggest thing about it that stood out to me was the sound design. Mm. Um, and actually I sent a link to, to John, to our sound designer after, after I was done watching, it, I was like, we gotta, we gotta pick some things up here because they're, the house is alive. And that is constantly sort of stated is that mm-hmm. the house is alive. And there's this like, depth perception thing going on when the sounds happen. So they sound close, but far away. And I just really loved that idea. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering how we can do that with Mark of the Bell Witch. Yeah. Cause Mark of the Bell Witch, you know, we have to do these recreations of the sound, the scenes where they hear things, you know, but kind of before the witch finds her voice, mm-hmm. there was a lot of scratching. And what they said was like rats gnawing at the bedposts and things like that. That's great. But I don't just want, that like i want it to sound like it's coming from another world or something right yeah anyway um yeah but we have letters we have letters if you want to Boy, send us a letter do we ever monsteropolis mail at gmail.com okay here is our first hey my dudes love the new episode can't wait for the newest flick listen i'm loving the smack talking marky mark you are still so nice and positive when doing so Seth, you got wicked potential to be boss level smack talker. One of my favorite podcasts, super informative. Love you boys. Yada, yada, yada. More smack talking would be appreciated. Much love from your boy, Matthew Shang. Uh, Listeners, if the show is redlining, there's a lot of cracking. It's not my fault. My three-year-old keeps coming in here and messing with my soundboard and I can't figure out what's going on today. Oh, and my phone's still on. Um, (laughs) What smack talking did we do? Was it, I, you know, I'm not exactly sure. I had, when I read that email the first time, I mean, we had just recorded the episode about big, the big. state of the community, but I think we were pretty nice. In that episode. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, I don't feel like we do smack talk on the show. We might have on Sasswood occasionally, but I don't really think yeah, even so we've kept it pretty. Yeah. You guys have no idea what the yeah. things we can say, and I'll probably say some of them later in this very episode. But there, we, I mean, Mark and I off the mics have pretty frank discussions about things, and I think on the show we've been pretty, pretty tame. So yeah. maybe Matt's telling us, "Quit being tame, guys." Maybe get out there. But I, I, yeah, I tend towards the tactful side of things. I guess that's just a carryover from yeah my. <laughs> Life. regular work a day world yeah um 
Thank you for the letter. If you would like to hear us smack talk more often, please let us know. Yeah. I mean, we could just give us topics we can talk smack about, I think. Pretty much on demand. Yeah. Without angering anyone. (laughs) Right. (coughs) Sort of circumspect smack talking where we get our point across in a harsh but gentle way. (laughs) I can't figure out these buttons. What has he been doing? Okay. Just seeing what lights up, probably. Yeah, he's been hitting these a lot. Oh, yeah. Because um, they play noises and stuff. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah, I kind of want to right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Wow. Okay. Uh, uh, should we move on to the next? Yeah. Correspondence. Mm-hmm. This says, hi, Seth and Mark. I'm enjoying your episode on the state of the Bigfoot community. I always like these meta views on the people who are into Bigfoot and people seem reluctant to engage in it. I emailed you a while back to compliment how much I love the STM films. Still true. Loved On the Trail of UFOs and patiently awaiting the second installment of On the Trail of Bigfoot. I included a knock on Hellier in my previous email, which I want to clarify. Thank you. honestly love Hellier. I just think their approach is more, quote, magical, while you guys are more, quote, anthropological, but I really love watching both. Anyway, like I said in my previous email, I'm an environmental scientist by trade, and I decided to use some of these skills in my spare time to crunch some numbers, so to speak, on Bigfoot. I contacted Cliff Berrickman and found him to be more than willing to hook me up with some geospatial data. That's a big word. Yes. GPS points of Bigfoot sightings. And I've been entering these data into GIS software and comparing them to various other forms of environmental and human data. It has been fun and interesting, and you can check out the findings at at PNW Bigfoot Maps on Twitter. I think Mark followed me back already. Ha ha. Yes, true. I have also spent a ton of time in the woods on and off trail in my life. Field archaeologist, field scientist, Appalachian Trail through hiker, backpacker slash hiker. Wait, wait, we got to do, I got to get this guy on the show. Yeah. I want to talk to him about Appalachian Trail hiking. Absolutely. Yep. Like one of the so-called camo guys, but unlike them, I have never found any evidence despite conducting many archaeological surveys where we walk for 10 miles a day through backcountry wilderness just staring at the ground. (laughs) Ironically, I'm working on the problem more effectively, I think, from behind a computer, trying to be as scientific as possible, though my real scientist brain says there are a ton of caveats with this Bigfoot sighting data. Anyway, as always, I love your work. I hope you don't mind me sharing with you my little project, which I see as my contribution to the Bigfoot community. Also, if you have any questions you think I could try to answer using my GIS technology, let me know. I will run the numbers for you. An example is, after listening to Shane Corson from the Olympic Project on Cliff and Bobo's show, I took what he said about the nest locations and created a predictive model that could show where on the landscape might be the best place to look for more nests. I hope you guys think this is interesting. Cheers, and looking forward to more STM movies. That's from Josh. That's a cool That's a cool letter. I haven't followed him on Twitter because I've barely been on Twitter since March. I don't know if anyone on Twitter has noticed, but Twitter has become uh, combat, a, combative, a combat zone. A combat zone. A combat is, zone. Is, yes, yeah. accurate. At um, the very least. Yeah, so I kind of like, I just bailed uh, pretty much as soon as the coronavirus started uh, because it just, every, everyone was going off on each other over something. And um, yeah, so I haven't been been on there lately, but I would like to get on there just to check out your, your at Twitter handle. 
which I can't now remember what it was at PNW Bigfoot Maps. Wow. Remember? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Thanks for the letter. And I seriously would love to talk to you sometime about that. Your Appalachian Trail experience. That has been a dream of mine since like 1995, I think was when I read. It was whenever I read A Walk in the Woods. And ever since then, Bill I've, Bryson, Bill Bryson, yeah, book, yeah I've, I've oh, wanted yeah. to, I've wanted to hike that place. So that trail, um, and field archaeologist too. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. We should just get, get him on the show. Hook him up. Just we'll get, get him, Josh on. Get so him in here. Hit us up, Josh. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything else to say about that. Okay. Other than if people are interested in the, the, uh, oh, I just thought of a good spot to get Josh involved. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. we're working on. There's a PNW Bigfoot project on the trail of Bigfoot project coming sometime next year. Um, stay tuned. Stay tuned. All right. Third letter. Hi guys, love the podcast. I've been listening to you guys for a couple of years now, and I've been a fan of STM since the Beast of Whitehall. I'm a native of the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont, but Whitehall is relatively close to my neck of the woods versus the PNW. After watching Beast of Whitehall. And traveling to Bear Road myself, I was hooked on STM. Love the movies. Keep up the good work. I want to return to that point when we're done. Mm-hmm. But I'm writing to you because I just had an idea for you. I heard you mention on a recent episode of the podcast that you weren't sure what the last doc for the trilogy consisting of the Mothman Legacy and Bell Witch will be. Here's my suggestion. Have either of you heard much about the Bennington Triangle? This is the crown jewel of Vermont high strangeness. The Bennington Triangle is located around Glastonbury Mountain in Bennington County in the south of Vermont, actually very close to Whitehall. Everything from strange disappearances, UFO sightings, strange orbs, Bigfoot sightings have been experienced in and around the Bennington Triangle as far back as the 1800s. Native Americans in the area have shunned the mountain, using it only as a burial ground. The area also has some pretty interesting history. The townships of Glastonbury and Somerset were once thriving logging and industrial towns in the early and mid-1800s. But by the late 1800s, they were both in decline and are ghost towns. Some folkloric explanations for this decline include the Native Americans regarding the entire area as quote-unquote cursed. If you're interested, Joseph A. Citro would definitely be the guy to contact for more information about this. He's the expert on offbeat Vermont lore. He's written a number of books on these subjects. Keep up the good work on both the documentaries and the podcast. That's from Will. Uh, Bennington Triangle, I've been aware of since I made Beast of Whitehall. So Mm -hmm. that's a fitting. um, And actually, I've, in a way, like I think on the trail of Bigfoot, the journey might touch a little bit on on, um, Bennington, not dramatically. But uh, there is an episode of Case Files that details some UFO activity from the Bennington Triangle area where Paul Bartholomew got into that. And Bennington is on the list of uh, subjects I want to hit for the documentaries at some point. Um, and it's also in the, the pitch for season one of on the trail of, uh, or uh, for season one of, of small town monsters TV show. So it's Bennington's always been really interesting to me. So you've heard of it. I've heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever heard of it? <laughs> That's great. Yeah. No, uh, but I, that's a great letter. Um, two things about that one. I love the connection of him, like seeing Beast of Whitehall and then going to Abra Road, because mm-hmm. now myself having just been there, uh, there's something about it. There's mm-hmm. just something about that stretch of road. Miss it. Being there at night, very powerful. The other thing is, 
I was very excited to meet Joseph Citro. Yeah. And unfortunately, he couldn't be at uh, the conference yep. that we were going to be at. Yeah. I, I always find myself thinking I have met him, mm. but I haven't because, he d- yeah, he didn't come. But we have met his cover artist and, and uh, illustrator for some of his work, Steve Bissett. Yes. So... And Steve is tied into STM through his On the Trail of Chant poster and the fact that he has written a 100-plus thousand-word interview with me about Small Town Monsters. That's supposed to be dropping late part of this year, really? isn't it? Yeah, he was. I saw a somewhat definitive-looking post about that that Ooh. he put out there. So I haven't, yeah, I haven't heard. That could roll out this year. I would not be surprised. Um, last week, oh, was there anything else? Regarding that one? No, way? not okay. really. I mean, Alex knows a lot about yeah. Bennington Triangle, yeah. too. Oh, there's plenty up there for us to do. My, my, the the only reason we haven't done more up in that part of the country yet is I feel like we've already done so much up in that part of the country. Maybe just because of Beast of Whitehall and on the trail of UFOs. Mm-hmm. But um, there there's much more. I, 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 I could have done a series called Hudson Valley Monsters. And, oh, yeah. and been thrilled, like just stayed up in the Hudson Valley. Now that I'm saying this, I'm thinking maybe I'm going to do it. <laughs> but I, I could have easily done, you know, like a, I've wanted to do a whole Hudson Valley uh, triangle uh, movie. I've wanted to do Bennington Triangle movie. I wanted to do um, Sleepy Hollow movie. We could probably do a Kinderhook movie. Yeah, I mean, like, that's what I was. I could go it'd be an excuse to go hang out with Bruce some more. Yeah, which would be. Excellent. Yeah, and I never got to see all the Sleepy Hollow locations in Kinderhook. All the oh right, yeah, the schoolhouse or any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the, the there's no topic this episode per se. We're kind of catching up, but uh, I did just get back from uh, a weekend. What's up? Did I just hear someone screaming? I think it was a, a police car. Okay. Like hitting the whoop whoop. Oh, okay. But I heard it too. It was like, I heard it through my headset. Really? <laughs> That's why I got confused. Um, also your face. You Yeah. I... <laughs> the look of befuddlement. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, so I was at Salt Fork last weekend. Um I'm tr- trying to think of how to explain this. I was we were gonna go to Salt Fork. We had talked about it even on the show right. about about going down to, to the Ohio Bigfoot conference. Uh, I kind of forgot about the Ohio Bigfoot conference until like three days before the Ohio Bigfoot conference was set to go off. And, um, the morning of I had, well, I had, I had contacted you. You didn't want to go. Yeah. Andy didn't want to go. So I had contacted my sister, uh, Carrie the morning of the event. And it was like seven o'clock in the morning. I just hit her up through a text and I said, your boys want to go, you know, to, to the Bigfoot conference. Tommy and I are going to drive down to salt fork and walk around for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, yes, things got real complicated real fast because my sister lives two hours and 20 minutes from me. Um, my brother or my parents live an hour from me. And so like the middle point is my parents' uh. house. So we were trying to figure out a way to drop the kids off and all this. It was oh, yeah. becoming super complex. I just on a whim got on the Salt Fork State Park Lodge website, which anyone who knows anything about the Ohio Bigfoot Conference, the lodge fills up months, if not the year ahead mm-hmm. of, of the Ohio Bigfoot conference. You can't get rooms. I got on the site to find there was a flash sale happening, which means not only were there rooms available, but there were so many rooms available. They were trying to unload them as quickly as possible. So I was able to get, I I ended up saying, let's just go down for like a week, a dude weekend. You know, we'll just go down the night, stay the night, do some hiking and stuff. 
uh, we we got a super cheap room. They have those rooms with like the bunk beds. Yeah, yeah, we got one of those. It's like 140 bucks for the night, you know, mm-hmm. for all of us. Uh, so so it was a boys weekend. It was, you know, like we originally were going down for the Bigfoot conference. We ended up not spending any time at the Bigfoot conference. <laughs> we walked, um, and some of this is going to lead into my point for mm-hmm. doing the episode, but uh, we walked through the Bigfoot conference vendors area, um, saw the Squatch Stick uh, guys, which I got to I gotta mention them real quick. Um, if you've watched Finding Bigfoot, uh, you've probably seen the Squatch Stick. If you've seen the chestnut ridge episode of uh that you were a part of mm-hmm. of on the trail of bigfoot you've seen the squatch stick i'm looking up just to check if they have a facebook page um i don't think they do but the squatch stick is a what looks like a tiny baseball bat um but made very uh very strong it, it's a tough tough baseball bat you can smack it up against a tree as hard as you like and um it makes a good sound it mm-hmm. makes a good knock. So I met these guys about a year ago. Super nice guys. Uh, they were there again. Um, we talked to them. They ended up giving me a squatch stick, which was very nice. Uh, and then later they gave one to Will. So I thought that oh, was nice. very nice because those they're expensive. I'm sure they cost a lot to make as well. So they gave us these two squatch sticks. I We ended up beating each other with them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, we, we had a great time and th- those guys were super nice and super nice to Will. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, the Squatch Stick guys and Carrie and Eric Forgiorgio are the only people I knew in the entire hmm. Ohio Bigfoot conference. Wow. Oh, wait, wait. Um, uh, the Turleys were there. Oh, yeah. So they were there too. But I mean, so I knew three vendors. I did not recognize a single attendee of this event. Mm. Um, and it could just be that we were all wearing masks, but at the same time, I didn't, I didn't know any of these people. Um, it was definitely a down year, which I heard from everyone. It was oh, like, yeah. there's hardly anyone here, but I don't know what anyone was expecting. It's kind of a miracle. They put on the event right to begin yeah, with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did they, how did they have it arranged? Like physically, was it, I, I read there were three or? floors of vendors. I only saw the two floors th- and there was always, it, it was where the vendors always are, but it is, okay. it was definitely more spread out than normal, but it just didn't seem like there were anywhere n- near as many vendors. So you had probably half the vendors and a quarter of the people. I'd say the most people were in that hotel were three or 400 mm. at the most all, all day. Um, it just was not, you know, yeah. it wasn't a, a very large crowd. Um, there were some observations I made. One, one thing I have to say is the food was amazing. Uh, they had, they had a barbecue truck. They had, oh. they had two kind of barbecue trucks actually set up out front. They had a wood fired pizza. They had a gelato truck. No kidding. Wow. Uh, we had for lunch, we had the, the barbecue truck. And then for dinner, we had six wood fired pizzas that were incredible. Um, that's amazing. Cause food was kind of a problem. Sometimes. Yeah. This is not a problem. They do this. They should do this every year. Yeah. Just bringing all these food trucks. It was great. Um, that actually would get me to come down and stay again. It's for real. Like <laughs> yeah. it's, it was, we they can guarantee the trucks. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, so, so some observations I made, uh, one, you know, one is that, um, they did everything in their power to pull off a, a safe coronavirus event. Mm-hmm. I would say the same about the Great Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Conference, um, just from what I've seen of that. Um, 
you know, they're, they're trying to social distance to the best of their ability, which yeah. is difficult when you get any sort of crowd of people together. Um, they were running the way speakers were doing things is they were giving two presentations. So they split. So like to limit the number of people. Yeah. So those, those presenters were doing two presentations in a mm-hmm. day, which is intense. I'm sure for the speakers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, the, you know, the vendors area is cool. I, I would say, so I try to think of the best way to do this. Cause some of these speakers I like, you have a problem in the Bigfoot world and probably in the paranormal world. And it came to my attention while I was talking to Eli Watson from Camp, Crypto Camp Five the, the other day is um, somehow we got to talking about conferences or something. And I mentioned that we don't get asked to speak at events. I'm trying to think of the best because I, I should preface this by saying I don't want to speak at events. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll gladly come show movies and do a and a. I don't speak at events. I, I don't like speaking, but we don't get asked to speak at Bigfoot events and neither does someone like Eli or someone like Alexander, not on the Ohio Bigfoot conference scale. Um, and all the speakers that they, that they had at the event and, and at the Smoky mountain event, they're all the same version of each other. Have you noticed this? Well, he's shaking yeah, his mean, head because he doesn't want to say yes. Yeah. On, on, on. <laughs> But no, I, I I think I'm tracking with where you're going. Who's your all-time favorite Ohio Bigfoot Conference speaker? The the, the your favorite presentation. I already know the answer to this. Do you? Tom well, Powell, right? Wasn't it Powell? Uh, it's probably well, it's a tie. Okay. Probably with Tom Powell mm-hmm. and Ron Moorhead was the very first one. Okay. Where Andy and I kind of just went there uh-huh. on a whim. Before we were really quote unquote into sure. Bigfoot, and he played some of the clips. That was the first time I had heard the Sierra sounds. Mm-hmm. So that has a, I mean, that's sort of a sentimental favorite. And Lauren Coleman's Bigfoot sex talk yeah. was pretty <laughs> mind blowing, also. But yeah, Tom Powell was, I, I guess, evaluating it as a speech. Mm-hmm. Tom Powell is probably the best. I just wonder what goes into picking speakers because, um, you know, and OBC is different because I, I know there's a BFRO connection. So I think a lot of the speakers are connected to the BFRO, mm-hmm. but I mean, I, you know, Larry Batson was there speaking. Larry's awesome. I, I've always really admired his stuff. Um, Russ Jones is there. Russ is a, a good, spe- I'm not saying anything disparaging about a, a single person there. I'm just saying there's five, six speakers and they've all pretty much done the circuit for years or or they're a variation of someone who has. And so it's bizarre to me that you can count on someone like uh, someone like Eli or Alex or like someone like that never getting asked to speak at one of these big conferences. You can count on it. They're not going to. And I just see that as like a huge detractor from why people are going to continue. You're going to continue to to draw in your camo crowd, but the people that are actually starting to build uh, an interest in this topic are going to end up going to the paranormal conferences because that's where they can find people other than camo dudes talking about their Bigfoot evidence. Mm. Not everyone wants to hear about the, the, the typical, you know, I found a, a footprint here and here's the dermal ridges and the, the mid tarsal break and all that stuff. And even like the original lineup 
for the Ohio Bigfoot Conference was comprised of people who we have seen at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference probably a hundred times. I mean, not a hundred times, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like Meldrum and Cliff and, and I love Cliff and I love Meldrum. I'm just saying at some point you need to evaluate the fact that there are other people capable of speaking about the Bigfoot subject and doing so in a way that people haven't heard a hundred times already. Right. That's what I found so fascinating about uh, Dr. David Floyd Mm -hmm. being invited to Ohio and doing his presentation, because I thought perhaps that was a very specific moment in time. And I thought that this might signal some sort of change in that cycle. I think, you know, I thought from that point it was going to expand out to include some of those cultural and other touchstones and it just really I think didn't. they've doubled down. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think like if anything they've doubled down. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of the people that are on the conference circuit are friends of ours. So I'm not I'm not singling right. the speakers out in any way. And I'm not even really singling the the promoters out or the conference people as doing anything wrong. I think what they're trying to do is gain the largest uh, uh, audience possible so they can make the money back you might want to consider the fact that there are other ways of doing that beyond just getting joe book writer slash bigfoot hunter in there Mm. you know like it just it's crazy to me that in a time of coronavirus i go to a conference or i see another con like any of these conferences i'm not even really singling out the ohio bigfoot conference any of these conferences they're all just kind of drawing in the same speakers they get the same speakers they draw on the same audience like this was an opportunity if anything to kind of go in a different direction from what you normally mm-hmm. would do and instead it was and you'd have very willing participants right. i mean james willis could speak on bigfoot in ohio you know like because everyone at this event was either ohio based or very close to ohio so you had west virginia people and ohio people speaking like james willis is in ohio like have James, I don't think James has ever spoke at the Ohio Bigfoot conference. Mm. Why not? Because he's written about, you know, big head and orange eyes and all the, the Minerva monster. Like there are, there are people who get overlooked and I don't get, I don't understand it. Like it, it's kind of mind blowing to me that, that I haven't actually seen outside of the coronavirus. I haven't actually seen Lauren getting asked to speak at many conferences mm-hmm. lately. And I think there's a trend right now toward like camo dudes. You know, the outdoorsy camo dudes and this idea of like, get off, get out, get off the couch and out from behind the computer nerd. Yeah. You know, like, right. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, it just, I think what that may end up creating is just a, either conferences of their own mm-hmm. where it becomes sort of a, a new media approach or people just say in the wake of a the coronavirus reality, why go to a conference at all? Yeah. You know, we can recreate this by doing a, an online program of some sort mm-hmm. and get four or five people who are adept at the technology, different voices, and do it that way. Yeah. Who knows? That might be the wave of the future as far as these things go. I, I um <clears throat> I know I mean, even someone like yourself. And this is what, what I find funny about the, and I have to, again, I have to preface this. This is not about me wanting to speak at a conference. Mark can tell you, I have no interest (laughs) in speaking at conferences. We've, we've actually turned down events this year because they wanted me to speak. I don't, I'm not a public speaker. 
I don't consider myself a public speaker. I don't, I no longer have anything to say about monsters. I, I, I can talk about storytelling. I want to talk about storytelling. I want to mm-hmm. talk about people and their experiences and like the human condition. I don't want to get up and tell spooky stories. And that's what most of this stuff is about. So I have no interest really in, in public speaking. So this isn't about me, but I do find it comical that a production company that gains millions of views per year with a very large audience and a very sizable uh, level of awareness in, in culture today, in the communities today, rarely get asked <laughs> to participate in these events. And every time we do, not every time, but I mean, a lot of the times we do, we see the fruit of our labor when we come into the event and we, we draw in a, a large crowd. And I'm not, I'm using us as an example. Like, you know, someone like Mark has been in a lot of movies. Someone like Mark has an audience. Someone like Eli has an audience. Podcasters get overlooked constantly. Mm-hmm. Jim Harold is like the biggest example of that. Oh, yeah. J- Jim's, Jim, Jim's got a huge following, rarely gets asked to speak at anything. So I don't know if it's, you know, maybe it's just that he's not out in the in the woods or the haunted houses enough. And that's what people think people want. But I think there's a, I think even beyond expertise or something new to add to the conversation, those people have a large following. You would, you would behoove yourself to involve those people in your event, especially small town monsters. Don't, don't, don't even, I, I'm still grumpy about something that happened with a Bigfoot conference two years ago where they tr- attempted to show one of our movies and cut me out of the event. Oh, uh, they literally a conference tried to go to someone else that was involved in one of our movies and have them show the movie so stm wasn't going to stm couldn't be involved in the event yeah it's just like a there's such a short-sightedness that i see involved in but especially bigfoot conferences i think it's bigfoot conferences more than any others because i do think i do see paranormal conferences trying to bring in other people to speak on things. I mean, Ellie could add something to mm-hmm. this. Oh, absolutely. that Brandon Barker who's in, I mean, get him to speak on, you know, like there's right. There are people who can add a lot to the conversation who, who are overlooked in favor of Joe BFRO investigator. Well, I think it also shows that to this day, television is still sort of the golden goose. I mean, yeah, you, we've been to conferences where the mountain monsters guys mm-hmm. have a line out, out the, door the door all day long Yeah, and finding Bigfoot too. I mean, mm-hmm. that was that they single-handedly and we've spent a lot of words on this topic, but they single-handedly brought a new generation of mm-hmm. children and families to the subject and whether yeah. or not they stuck because of growing up and things of that nature, Yeah, who knows, but for a, there was a time where, you know, if you had a cliff or a bobo or holy smokes, you know, both of them at an event, that's when you're going to have your capacity crowds. Mm-hmm. And I think that's right now there is no equivalent of that. Yeah, I think that's the issue. I, I think so. The conversation actually hinged on that was like if you don't have a travel channel show or didn't have a travel channel show, uh, you're probably not going to go to get asked to be at one of these conferences. That's true to an extent, but it's also true that that if you're not tied to someone who was on one of those shows you might not get asked to be at a conference so 
so you're right. Like the guys that are drawn in the huge crowds, they're those personalities. Like the ones that, and I'm not, again, I'm not demeaning Cliff and Bobo. Exactly. They're, yeah. They're great guys. They're, they're, Cliff's way more serious about this than I'll ever be. Um, same with Bobo. Um, however, like they have a, they have a following that follows them because of a personality they showed on a TV show. And it's same with the mountain monsters guys, but you're right. There's no one left that is going to draw a crowd like that. Even I would argue even Cliff and Bobo probably aren't drawing the crowd they did when that show was r- running regularly mm-hmm. on on Animal Planet. Um, and so what you're left with are, are conference promoters sort of scrambling to find someone comparable to that. And when they can't, they just grab someone who kind of is similar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. well, this guy kind of is like someone that was on one of these shows, yeah. you know, like a serious field investigator. You know, it occurred to me too, and this is another sort of sad point, but we're getting fewer and fewer people who have an actual attachment to what I would call the golden age mm-hmm. of Bigfootery. Yeah. You know, like um, Bob Gimlin is sort of the last link. I don't think Peter Byrne does anything in terms of appearances any longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's well into his 90s, so it'd be something if he did. Yeah, but, you know, that that generation is almost completely gone yeah. and and they were attractions as well i mm-hmm. mean there's a couple of years at ohio where you had finding bigfoot and bob gimlin and you know there was nowhere to sit yeah you couldn't walk through there and i think that's why you had this confluence of history and what's happening now on tv and both of those have faded and that's and plus you add a pandemic and it's it's a very different landscape yeah. Um, anyway, I I hope this didn't come across in the wrong way. I wasn't really bagging on the conference or the promoters because again, I've done events. I know how difficult it is, and especially trying to pull one off in the middle of a pandemic. I wouldn't have even tried, which we didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, just like I, I just think there's other ways to do this. There's other ways. There's other voices that need to start putting in appearances at this at these sorts of events. I don't think it'll happen. The Bigfoot community is very, the people in charge of the Bigfoot community are co- who kind of lead the way. They're they're locked into their way of thinking, and that's the way things will go. Yeah, and it used to be that you know making something was your foot in the door, mm-hmm. whether it's writing a book, yeah. film, you know what have you. And that's not even necessarily the case. No, these days I can't figure out what the case is. Like mm-hmm. when I was there, I was trying to figure out because some of the names I I never heard of and then i would kind of read up on him i was like well it's this guy but he's different got a different name <laughs> like ah. it's the same it's a variation on this on people yeah. who exist mm-hmm. um you know doug waller was there that's cool like mm-hmm. doug doug's cool um russ jones is cool larry's awesome i mean i've been a big that's an old school guy like i've always been interested in larry's stuff but um yeah i don't know we need to we need to do better that's all i know all right uh, i'm done complaining <laughs> <laughs> We're going to record another episode. That's uh, that boss level smack talk. Yeah, that's here. that boss level smack talk. <laughs> um, leave us a rating review on iTunes and uh, uh, check out the uh, social media pages on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Mail at monsteropolismail at gmail.com. And I think that's it. All right. Bye.
Monsteropolis is proudly presented on Wadsworth Community Radio 97.1 FM or streaming live at wadsworthcommunityradio.com. It is proudly underwritten by Thurber's Jewelers on the Square in downtown Wadsworth.